0: Author, activist, poet, writer, and dancer, Maya Angelou uh, lived a life that influenced an entire country. And she actually wrote down her life mission, and this is what she writes. She said, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive, and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. Pretty simple, right? I mean, my main mission in life is to not just to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some fun. I mean, great. And if you actually look her up and listen to her speakings and all of that and read her writings, she actually does live a life like that. And the thing is, have you ever found yourself just surviving in life? I mean, whether you're a believer this morning, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I mean, we all have felt this kind of coasting in life reality. And we've even felt it um, in our Christian life, right? Where we no longer get excited about things that pertain to Jesus. Where we no longer care about waking up and doing the things that we know we need to do. I mean, we just end up in survival mode, just trying to make it one day after one day because you know you have to go to work. You know you have to get up and go to work, and you know you have to get up and take care of the kids and make sure they're fed, or you know you have to come back home and make dinner for yourself or make dinner for your family, and you have to make this doctor's appointment because you're dealing with this type of illness, and you have to go travel again and again and again, and it puts us in this survival mode where we're no longer thriving in life and it just kind of gets weighty and tiring. And we believe in this gospel, right? We believe it, we've heard it, we've been learning about it the past six weeks, but then there's this disconnect with how we're living it out. And I know that some of you here this morning have been deeply wounded by people who have claimed to believe in this gospel, but have lived totally contrary to what it says. And I'm not just talking about making mistakes, right? I mean, we all make mistakes. I'm the first one to admit that. But people who've said, I've given my heart to this Jesus, and I'm going to live my life that way, but then they live totally contrary to what he says, and in result, hurting people, being deeply wounded by that. And so it's like, okay, Naya, so the question then becomes, so how do we live as followers of Jesus, as followers of a gospel that frees us? How do we live as followers of Jesus? What does that look like in our day-to-day life? Because I've tried everything, Naya. I've applied everything I think I need to apply in order to grow as a Christian, but it's just not working and I'm tired. And I find myself just hanging by a thread. What do we do? Well, there's good news for you this morning because Paul actually answers that question for us in our passage this morning. And the first thing Paul says, he goes, you want to live as a follower of Jesus? This is what you got to do. You got to know that we are in a battle. You have to know that there is a war going inside of us, going on inside of us. And whether you have been with us this entire series or you're starting with us today, we have been in a series titled, No Other. And the past six weeks, we have been point, like getting it in your brain, what and who the gospel is. And as a result, because we believe in this gospel, Paul tells us that we're adopted as sons and daughters, into God's family. And last week we learned that it is Jesus Christ who sets us free, that we are free in Christ, and we are to enjoy our freedom and use it for his glory and not misuse it for our own selfish gain. And so here we are finding ourselves here in the chapter 5, in the middle of chapter 5, where Paul has taken five and a half chapters, getting the gospel in people's brain, and he says, this is what it looks like to live as free people. He says, first you have to know that in every person, in every person, whether they believe or not, there is a war going on inside of you. Read again with me verses 16 and 17 of chapter 5. He says, He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want Paul gives us a command here to walk by the Spirit because our flesh desires what is totally different from the Spirit. It's like oil and water. You don't mix those things together, and you don't mix sin and God's Spirit together because they are going to fight. They are going to rage war. And I know some of you now can just take a deep breath and a sigh of relief. Because you feel it, don't you? I mean, we feel it. I feel it. One moment we're doing okay and the next we're not. One moment we have good thoughts and the next they're not. Right now you're debating whether to pay attention to me or not. You're thinking about what you're going to eat later, probably before even thinking about what this sermon is going to be about. You don't want to engage in the things you're not supposed to, and then the next minute you do. You're happy one minute and sad or angry the next. You have hope one day and despair the next. You feel victorious and on the mountaintop one day and defeated and low the next. We are in a constant battle. We are in a constant fight. And friends, sometimes it feels like we lose that battle, doesn't it? And I know for a lot of us in this room, I'm talking to those who have followed Jesus for a while. I'm talking to you in the room. We get into this apathetic and stuck place where the high of following Jesus has faded and the problems of life heighten, where we just feel stuck, where we don't want to fight anymore, where we no longer want to care, where nothing is working and we just get tired and we feel defeated and lost in the battle. And we often let our sinful flesh win. And look at what Paul says, a life that is lived by our sinful desires. He actually says it's obvious. And this is what he said it looks like in verses 19 to 21. He says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions. Do I need to keep going? I mean, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. And he says, I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying for those who follow a life that is led by your sinful flesh, it's obvious and this is what it looks like. And don't we see it everywhere? We see it everywhere and often we see ourselves in it where we lose our rage, we outburst in anger, we get hate, we hate someone or we get envious of someone. It happens. There's a war going on inside of us, and it's obvious. You know, during Christmas break, I went, not Christmas break, because I don't have Christmas break, but during Christmas time, um, I went back home, and I was hanging out with my um, brother's wife's family, and she has a niece that's four years old, okay? And she's like, let's play hide-and-seek. So I'm like, okay, let's play some hide-and-seek. And when it was my turn to hide, I mean, she couldn't find me for like 10 minutes. And that was like the whole point, to hide and like just have her looking for me. But then when it was my turn to count, and I only had to count to five. And so I counted to five, and immediately I can spot where she was. (laughs) Because she hid in the most obvious places. And the funny part, though, here's the funny part. She actually thought she was hiding. She would be like, you know, laughing. Oh my, they can't see me. And it's like, no, I can actually see you. And friends, it's the same with us. When we are not okay and when we have just given up on life, it's obvious. We can't hide it. And you can try hiding it from others and you can be successful at it. But for those who really know you, they can see it. Because it's obvious And that's what Paul is saying. The the ways of the flesh are obvious, and we can't hide it. And this is what it feels like sometimes, though. Look at this video. (laughs) I mean, doesn't life feel like that sometimes? We're just grabbed by the Hulk and just boom, boom, boom. I mean, the weight of the world, it feels like that. And just can I just be real for a second? I felt like that this week, just beaten up, discouraged, defeated, not wanting to fight, not wanting to get up in the morning to do the work that I've had to do, not even wanting to write the sermon. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do anything because I could feel the defeat of the battle. I could feel it. And I want to tell you this morning that if you are feeling that way, like, it's okay to admit that. I think we often think that we can't feel those things or that we have to come to church all prettied up and look at how my life is. When it's like, no, you know what? Hey, we're in a battle and it's okay when you feel the defeat of it. Because life sometimes does hit you like that. You are waved around like a ragdoll, and it feels like it. And so how you live as followers of Jesus, you know that we're in a battle. But secondly, Paul tells us that the way we follow Jesus is actually to walk with your helper, to walk with your advocate. Paul says in verse 16 that we are to live and walk by the Spirit. And if we do, he says, we will not carry out the desires of our flesh. And if you are a believer here this morning, you and I have a responsibility to walk with and alongside the spirit. And we are in this battle until God completes the good work in each and every one of our lives. But here is the beautiful part is that you and I will never have to fight alone. It's that we are in this battle and we never fight by ourselves. And I think often we lose or feel the weight of the defeat because we want to fight by ourselves. Because we see the army and think that I can take control and go in defeat and we walk ourselves right into defeat every time. Because we try to fight alone. We try to isolate ourselves and think we can do it and make it when God is saying, hey, I have given you my spirit. Walk with him because he fights for you and I. And many of us want to run our way to spiritual maturity. We want to sprint. We want to run our way to godliness when God is actually telling us to walk. He only wants us to walk. And, you know, we all know or seen what it looks like when a baby starts to walk, right? I mean, whether it's your own child or have you seen it, I mean, you know, they start crawling and it's really cute and then they start to stand up and then they start to get their balance and then they start to make their first steps and in the midst of learning how to walk, they fall Right, They stumble, and you're like, come on, sweetie, come on, sweetie, and they're trying to get to you, and then they, you know, fall a little bit, and the caretaker or parent picks them up to get them right back on the road. And now imagine if someone got angry at a baby because they couldn't run. Like, could you imagine getting angry at a little child for learning how to walk because they can't run? I mean, that's absurd, I mean, you and I would probably want to go punch that person because it's like, why are you expecting this baby to run? And friends, the reality is that is how the Christian life works. We are learning how to walk. And the beautiful part is that the Spirit continues to lead and guide us. The Spirit is saying, come on, you got this. And when you fall, it's picking you up. When you stumble, it's putting you back on the right path. This is not a race to run as fast as you can, so don't get frustrated when you can't run. The Christian life is all about endurance. It's a slow and steady kind of life. It's a take little steps here and there kind of life. It's learning how to walk. And we fall and we stumble, but guess what? We might miss when our child falls or stumbles, but when we fall and stumble, we are caught at every side at every moment. Because look at what Paul says in verse 18. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. To those who believe in the gospel, to those who believe in Jesus, are given God's Spirit And Paul says, just knowing that you're in a fight isn't enough. The law taught you that. I mean, the law taught us that in us, there is this deep disposition and desire to be in rebellion and in rebellious against God. And he says, the rules, the rules tell you that. Just tell someone they can't do something and they'll do exactly that. And the spirit, the whole point is that with the spirit, you and I can actually feel and experience victory because that's the point. The point is that God fights on our behalf and that is how we win these battles. And our spirit, the spirit and our advocate meets us where we are and helps us grow in a way that the law or rules rules or even our own effort by itself never could. And just like Paul has shown you a life that is followed by the sinful flesh is shown, he actually shows us what a life looks like that is followed by the Spirit. And he says those things in verses 22 and 23, when he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Friends, you and I may not like the fact that we are in a battle, but it is in the context of the battle that we see how powerfully the fruit of the Spirit activates in us. It's in the context of battle and struggle that we see and experience the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is actually what gets us through our battles. It's the miracle of when we don't feel love but can extend and give love to others anyway and to ourselves. It's the miracle that when life's hardest moments come, we can still experience joy because God and someone else is glad to be with us. It's when life continues to fall apart, but we can still feel this calm and peace that surpasses all understanding. It's when we're able to be patient with ourselves and with others when we know that others can't be patient with us. It's when we're able to show kindness and extend kindness to ourselves and others knowing that they can't give it back. It's when nothing in life that's happening seems like it's going good, but we can hold on to the goodness of God and believe that he is still good. It is when you don't want to be faithful anymore in your marriage or in your house or with your job or wherever you're doing and you are tempted to fall away, but you can cling on the faithfulness of God to get you through. It's the miracle that you can handle others with care and gentleness and as a result, handle yourself with care and gentleness when others want to treat you poorly. And it's when we are being tempted or triggered to explode in anger or to avoid everything or to give in to our addictions, but we're still able to exhibit self-control. Friends, all of these fruits are activated in us because we have been given the spirit and it's in the moment of battle, in the moment of struggle where they come out. And friends, it's hard though when we're getting hit at every side to exhibit these fruits, but the reality is that even when we fail, the Spirit fights on our behalf, and the fruits continue to work in us. Because notice that Paul says fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. You're not given one fruit and not the other one. So don't be trying to tell me you don't have all these other fruits, because you do. Because when the Spirit is given to you, you are given all of them. And you and I are responsible to walk by the Spirit. And we're responsible to be led by him. Because in John 15, Jesus says, remain in me and I in you. And it's in the remaining in Jesus that you produce fruit. It's in the remaining in the vine that your fruit bears and comes out and he prunes, and he takes those fruits that are no longer growing, and he, he, you know, pokes us a little bit. But it's the Spirit's work in us when we're remaining connected to him. We cannot manufacture the fruits of the Spirit on our own. But it is God's Spirit that works those in us at all times. Okay, now, so how do we walk, though? Like, How do we walk by the Spirit? How do we live according to the Spirit, right? How do we do this? Well, Paul tells us that the way you live as a follower of Jesus is by knowing that we're in a battle. It's by walking with your helper and advocate. And last, it's by entering the greatest dance you've ever entered. And I know some of you are like, what? You're going to make me dance? Yes, it's entering into the greatest dance. Because look at what he says in verses 24 and 25. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Friends, Paul always, always, always ends with the gospel. Because before you and I can ever try to do anything, the first thing we have to do is believe the gospel. Because for those who believe the gospel, our sinful flesh and passions and desires have been crucified with Christ. And so friends, the good news is that your sinful flesh can't ultimately win. It can never ultimately win because when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. All those sins that you will commit, all the times you're going to fail, it has been paid for and it is finished. And that is such great news. And this week for me in general, when I was feeling the defeat of the battle... When I was discouraged and beaten up, I was learning throughout those moments that even when I can't manufacture anything, God's spirit continues to manufacture everything and I can still feel love and I can still experience joy and I can still experience patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness and see the good things in life because i have been crucified with christ and so have my failures and so has everything that is evil in the world it has been done it is finished so friends believe this gospel the gospel that says i jesus has done everything for us not because we deserve it but because he loved us so much he wanted to give it and as a result you and i are free Believe this gospel. And second, enter into this great dance together. You know, Paul tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. And some of you are like, I don't even know why she's bringing up dancing. Well, get over it. Because if you read what Paul is saying here in verse 25, he said, keep in step with the Spirit. That is movement. You're following Someone. And you know, my mom and my brother, um, when I was younger, they were part of a dance group. And every single Wednesday night, they used to drag me to their practices, and I had to sit there for two hours watching these people learn this choreography from their dance instructor. And you know what, what I learned, though, is that the sweat, okay, and not only that, but the commitment that it took to pull off a dance production was incredible. I mean, it was unbelievable. I would see my mom and my brother practice at home, right? But they had to do that. They had to come home and they had to practice and they had to listen to the music. And the way that the music sounded to one person sounded different to the other because they had different parts and they had to just learn and practice and move. And then when performance day came, When it was time to see the production, it was amazing to see all the people who were learning this particular choreography go and perform this unbelievable dance production. And I mean, it was incredible. And friends, our life with God is very similar you and I have entered into this dance and the choreography of our lives has been given to us. And the way you and I learn this choreography and the way we implement it into our lives looks different for every single person because we're all different. And it is our job to learn what works for us. I mean, we need each other. We enter this dance together because I can't live this life without you. Even this morning, as I was come ready to preach this morning, I had a friend call me because I was like, hey, I usually have this guy that I text because we did... um, college together. And we usually, it's funny because it usually ends up, we end up preaching on the same days. It's kind of hilarious. So I text him like, hey, I need you to pray for me. And he like calls me and he goes, girl, you wouldn't even know I'm praying too. I'm preaching this today too. And so we had this 10 minute conversation and we were able to pray for one another. And friends, I don't think I could have come up here without that, without that prayer and without him calling me and us just praying together because we know that we can't stand up here on our own strength. We know that we can't give this on our own. And friends, we can't live this life on our own. We need each other to say, hey, don't go there. It's obvious that you're doing something. Or hey, you lost your patience or self control over here. Or hey, come back on the right path. We need one another. And friends, I want to remind you that we do not do the spiritual disciplines to gain favor before God because we are already found favorable in his sight because we have been found in Jesus. And the spiritual disciplines are not a have to either. They're not designed because you have to do X, Y, or Z in order to grow as a Christian. And that's why I cannot come here and tell you, hey, read your Bible uh, one chapter every day because you know what? For some of you, you, you can't do that. There is no one monolithic way of growing in the spirit, of walking and being led by the spirit. But the spiritual disciplines are provided and are given to us to help us in our relationship with God, to help us get to know who God is because our relationship with God is not a dutiful service. It's an intimate relationship. And the way we get to know someone is different for all of us. So for some of us, we do need that time in the morning where we read a book of the Bible and we go chapter by chapter. For some of us, it's actually memorizing Scripture or listening to Scripture. I mean, for some of us, it's waking up in our beds and praying and talking to God. For some of us, it's driving in the car and talking to Him. Or it's taking a walk and seeing His beautiful creation and being an awe of how God is so creative. And for some of us, it's listening to music and playing music to God and connecting with him in that way. For some of us, it's writing down in our journals and processing and praying to God in that way. For some of us, it's getting together with a group of friends and discussing who God is to each other. Because friends, because we have been given the spirit, you and I have the ability to know who God is. We have the ability to get to know Jesus, to walk with him, to talk with him, to learn about him. That's what the spirit gives us. And so friends, we walk by the spirit out of relationship with God. And we follow his leading and his guidance. And we take a step where he leads us to take a step. Because as followers of Jesus, Jesus has given us the freedom to choose every single day if our allegiance is going to be to him or are we going to give in to our sinful flesh. That's the freedom of the gospel because we were bound. You and I could only live out out of our sinful flesh, but Jesus Christ has set us free so that you and I have the ability to choose the other side. Because you and I are no longer bound. And so friends, follow the lead of the spirit. Remain in Jesus, remain connected. And the fruit will you will bear fruit. The fruit will come out. It will be activated. And even when we fail, and even when we can't fight anymore, God's spirit fights for you. God fights for you. And the fruit continue to cultivate because he is the gardener who knows how to prune. And when we experience the chaotic, frustrating, sad, and hard parts of life, we can still feel a peace that surpasses all understanding, knowing that we are going to be okay because God's spirit continues to work in our lives. And we get to experience this renewed joy, this renewed joy that one day all things will be made new and that no matter what, someone is glad to be with you. That no matter what, when you wake up in the morning, God has promised that He will never leave you, that He will never forsake you, and that He will continue to be with you throughout your entire life. And not only that, but that He actually delights in you. That is what it means to live as a free person in Jesus, to know that we're in a battle to walk with your helper and advocate who is helping you at every single moment and to enter into the great dance together, knowing that we are being led by the ultimate dance partner. Let's pray. God, we thank you that not only did you save us and not only did you rescue us and redeem us, That you actually gave us yourself. You gave us your spirit. The spirit that is written on our hearts. And as a result, we get to live this life that is saturated in love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and self control. God, we thank you that you have done everything in Jesus to bring us to yourself and that you have provided ways that we can connect with you and remain in you. And so, God, I thank you that the battle has ultimately been won, that you paid it all on the cross and it is finished and it will continue to be finished and we await the day, Lord, where all things are put in their proper place and when we're always in, not no longer in disrupted connection, but in full connection and intention with you for all eternity. And so God, we ask that you would help us. Would you help us as we live in this life and in this world to stay connected, to not run ahead of you, but to walk with you We thank you for your goodness in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.